Um, morning. It's great you're here today. Happy Father's Day to the dads. Um, we're continuing this series in 1 Peter, and it's a series that is kind of around this lens. How do we be countercultural? How do we, how do we live in our culture in a way that is actually based on truth and how God's calling us to live? And you've probably heard me say before, um, I reckon there's two questions that you need to answer before you leave this planet. And they're really important questions. And the first one is who you say Jesus is. And I hope you got that nailed to actually from revealed scripture that he's the son of God. He's, he's God himself. And the second most important question is actually who does Jesus say we are? And when we actually choose to believe truth and live truth and own it and integrate it into who we are, it's a powerful standpoint on which to live from. And last week, Andrew looked at a few truths revealed in 1 Peter that are so significant. And if you've missed it, get the podcast. Because I did ask you last week if you're here to take one of those valuable pieces of truth and have it in front of you and to own it and to speak it over yourself and to live it. And here though, there were one was, I am chosen. Like you're a chosen person. I'm chosen. I am capable. Do you believe you are capable? I'm valuable. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. All revealed in scripture in 1 Peter. And so that's in there for you and I to own about who Jesus says we are so that we can do his work and speak out for him, Scripture says. It's all for a purpose. It's all for a reason. And God wants us to embrace that kind of truth and to live with it. Today, I want to look at a countercultural piece and I want to ask you a question. And if you think about the way you live and the the way that you live in the culture around you and whatever that looks like, I want to ask you this question. Do you fit in or do you stand out? Think about it just for a moment. Do you fit in or do you stand out? Because I don't think Jesus wants you to fit in. He wants you to stand out. He wants you to shine. He wants you and I to be people that actually live with his spirit and be the light of the world. And it actually, you and I have an opportunity every day to actually show people what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And if you're not a believer here today, my hope is that God reveals himself to you and you kind of answer that first question. You go, man, Jesus is God and he died on the cross for me. I want to embrace that. Welcome to the kingdom of God. And you're living in a different culture than what the culture around you is. And we have an opportunity every day to stand out. Now, there's lots of issues there. And it's challenging. It's not easy to do that. And when you think about it, we we have this in our culture right now. We have an extreme desire. It's really unhealthy. We have an extreme desire to be liked. Do you? The whole internet is revolved around being liked. The whole social media thing. The culture in which we live, there's this extreme desire to be liked. And if we're not careful, we will fall into that and want to live in a way, in a culture that actually we're fitting in more than what we realise because of our desire to be liked. I'm so thankful Jesus didn't have a desire to be liked. He had a desire to love. 
He had a, he just had a desire to live this authentic expression of a relationship with his father. And he wanted to stand out. He was the light of the world. But like Carol said, Jesus partners with you and me to keep doing that. So I want to ask you, do you fit in or do you stand out? It's interesting. I don't know. I'm not big on Instagram, but I know they've made some changes. And I know they've made some changes in how they display how many likes people have on their page. Isn't that interesting? It's good. It's healthy. Because there was an addiction to likes and a competitiveness. And actually, if, I, if I've got so many followers and so many likes, I can actually make money out of that. It's all about being liked. So do you fit in or do you stand out? Have you got a desire to be liked or are you, are you prepared to live how God wants you to live in a countercultural way and you actually shine, you give people a picture, a vision of what life is like in the kingdom of God. People need that. There's so many people around us that are lost, who are sucked into the culture around us, and you and I get an opportunity to show them there's a different way to live. It actually can look different to that. It doesn't have to look that way. And we can talk about that, or we can model it. And when we do both, it's actually quite powerful. I want to share this scripture with you today. It says this in 1 Peter um, chapter 2, verse 11 to 12, just two verses. It says, so dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Interesting way to describe us, isn't it? To keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. And be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbours. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honourable behaviour and they will give honour to God when he judges the world. A temporary resident and foreigner. This is not your home. It's a temporary space. And we're called actually to keep away from... A culture that can suck us in, you know, like we've still got this sinful nature we're living with, so there's going to be temptation, there's going to be desires, there's going to be this, this vacuum that will suck us into stuff that is our culture. And we're called, actually, we're warned, actually, that's a very dangerous place to be. And we're called to actually live properly among our unbelieving neighbours. I love this translation in the Living Bible. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, same passage. You're only visitors here. Since your real home is in heaven, I beg you to keep away from the evil pleasures of this world. They're not for you, for they fight against your very souls. Be careful how you live among your unsaved neighbours. For then, even if they are suspicious of you and talk against you, they will end up praising God for your good works when Christ returns. So I want to look at a couple of things in that, around that context. You know, do you, do you fit in or stand out? How can you and I live in a way that shows people what it's like to live in this amazing relationship with Jesus through his spirit? Direct access to the Father. Complete love and acceptance. Having value in who you are. And how much times did we talk about freedom in those songs earlier? Just living free. You know, you're only here for a little while. You're a visitor. Temporary residency where you live. Now, there's a lot of good things about that. There's a lot of challenges about that. But I think it's important. The scripture talks about that. You know, our life is like a fog. 
or a mist. It's just here for a little while and then it's gone. Now, you can think about that in two ways. One, you can go, crap, really? My life is that short? Or you can go, there's actually an urgency in the way that God's called me to live. And each day is a purpose and I want to embrace with that and partner with Jesus to build his church. You know, just recently I had some challenges with this. Like I, I click over 50 this year in October. Um, I'm still getting my head around that. In fact, I have got my head around that. But there was probably six months of the year where I hadn't got my head around that. I was depressed. Think, how did that happen? How did I get to 50? Now, some of you are over that, I get it. And I've probably joining you, I hope, in that kind of different way I think about that. But I remember Kel saying, you know, when, when I turned 49, she said to me, what's wrong? I didn't even know I was projecting it. I just wasn't coping with the thought of turning 50. But then God worked on my spirit and it was like, you know what, Kev? Every day is a gift. Every day. And when I live like that, together, I'm grateful for every day. And whenever God calls me out of this world, because this is in my home, I want to live with a gratitude in my spirit and go, God, what are you up to today? What can we do together today? How can I partner with you to build your church today? How can I live with a gratefulness in my spirit? And so it's interesting because I think the enemy wants us to live in a way where we're freaking out about stuff like that, where God wants you and I to live every day, knowing that this is a temporary place for us, but to live with a gratitude in our spirits. Well, have another day. Awesome. What are we going to do with that today? What are you going to do with your day today? Do you live with a gratitude? I'll tell you what, gratitude stands out in our culture. If you've legitimately got an authenticity to to your gratitude and you embrace each day as a new day, God's mercy is new every day. I'm going to live in it and I'm grateful to be alive. There must be a purpose in me being alive today. What did you say, Jeff, this morning, wherever you are? You heard a podcast on the way in. There he is and going, what did you say? You know, this guy was saying there's two, two great days of your life. The first one is the day you're born. The second one is the day you find out what your purpose is. So you can live in a way where you just let the days go and, or you can live going, there's an urgency in my day today. How do I live well? How do I live well? This passage calls us to to keep away from evil pleasures of this world. Now, if you take this this out of context, and I think lots of people in in our community would say, you know, that God just doesn't want to take pleasure out of life. I mean, that's a that's a massive untruth. Do you know God created pleasure? (laughs) He did. He created it. The challenge is the world wants to set up worldly pleasure that actually looks attractive and maybe even for a temporary time it is. But worldly pleasures actually wage war against your soul. Have you ever had that experience where you, you engage in something or there's some behaviour that you just know is not right? You know it's a worldly thing and you kind of... You, you get sucked in because you've got that kind of sinful nature like I have and you kind of get sucked in and then whatever it is, and then you just go, man, I just wish I didn't do that. There's something in my soul that you can tell it's waging war against your soul. 
like there's a bigger thing going on. You know, if we're not careful, we'll just get sucked in and we'll end up fitting in with our culture, trying to engage in all this worldly pleasure to kind of satisfy some deep need in our spirit where when we understand that there's things in this world that are really not good for us, it's not about a rich and satisfying life. It's a temporary kind of pleasure. And, and once you engage in it, you actually sense it's waging war against my soul. But Jesus isn't against pleasure. It's just not his purpose. Check this out. You know this verse, John 10.10. 10. It's a really popular verse. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus' purposes, this is his words, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. God wants you to have a rich and satisfying life. Now, it doesn't get much more pleasurable than that, in my opinion. Jesus is not against pleasure. But the thief's purpose is actually to wage war against your soul and try and diminish the impact you can have and actually get you out of the kingdom of God. Like this lion just seeking whom next to devour. And so he's a liar. He's a deceiver. And so he will take pleasure that God created, put a worldly spin on it, a very unhealthy spin on it, make it look really attractive, and we get sucked into that. And then we're just waging war against my soul. And God wants you and I to actually be able to say no to stuff. You've got the Spirit in you. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. We can actually say no We can take the way out in temptation that Jesus provides every time. We can do that. It's not going to happen all the time, but we can. And we can actually live a different kind of life. Life to the full, a rich and satisfying life, or we step into what we think is pleasurable, what's presented in a worldly culture, thinking it is, but it's actually going to do damage to your soul in in a way. God can repair all that, but it doesn't have to look like that. So again, do you, do you fit in or do you stand out? You know, when you, see, when you see someone actually say no with some strength to whatever it is that they're saying no to in a healthy way, that, that's contagious. That's inspiring. Like when Carol goes and gets water from the bar, inspiring. You know, in our culture, there's some really big ticket items where the enemy is kind of warped and distorted and sucks us in. Sexuality is a huge one. It's presented as this pleasurable thing to step into, and there's so many facets to that. If we're not careful, we just get sucked into that, and, and we're not standing out. Substance abuse is another, where we can just get sucked in and what God's created, we distort and we try and fill a deep need and it actually wages war against our soul. You know, indulgence in food is another one. I mean, I reckon in our Western culture, we worship food. That's why there's all these you know, master chefs and MKRs and let's just worship food and let's, you know, we, we can indulge in this stuff and and none, none of those things are, are bad, but as, as they are. But when we kind of let the enemy just kind of suck us in with our sinful nature, we indulge and then we realize that 
That's actually waging war against our soul. There's some verses here in Corinthians that are key. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If we went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. I don't want to be a slave to my whims or unhealthy desires. I want to actually just live based on knowing who I am in Jesus, who he is, who he says I am, and live out of that truth and actually stand out in a way where people see that we can actually live differently. And that's attractive. That kind of life is attractive. It goes on to say in this same chapter, or didn't you realise that your body is a sacred place? Your body, even though you're a temporary resident here, it's a sacred place. You host the Holy Spirit if you're a believer in Jesus. Though it's the place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part. God owns the whole works. So if that is the case, let people see God in and through your body. You see, do you want to fit in or stand out? When people see you and the way you live, do they see Jesus? Do they hear Jesus in you? When people see you, do they see that, that you're created in the image of God? Every person is, but you have the Holy Spirit in you. And when we live in truth and live in this relationship with God, and sure, we're not going to get it right all the time. Thanks for his grace. Praise God. But grace empowers us to live well and to keep growing as people. And I want to ask you, do do people see Jesus in you? Are you the light of the world? That's how Jesus describes you. Are you making a difference just by the way that you live? And it can be a countercultural thing. Do people hear Jesus in you? Do people see Jesus in you? They're big questions. And my hope is that sometimes people do see him in me. You know, it kind of takes the pressure off in a way. I think sometimes as Christians we think we've got to be these evangelistic champions and some people have got the gift of that and go for it. But, you know, if you can just live with God authentically and allow the fruits of the Spirit to be evident in your life, that, that is such an attractive thing for people. You will open people's eyes. People will ask you questions. Tell me more. What's going on? So it says, be careful how you live with your unsaved neighbours. So if we're going to go, actually, I want, I want to stand out for Jesus. I want to live authentically based on this truth. How do I do that? I want to ask you a question. Hey, are, are you actually living with <laughs> unbelieving neighbours? Is there opportunity for engagement with people that are totally lost, that they've got no hope in their life? Is, is there a natural engagement where you actually invite people into your space just to, be, just to be beautifully you, just to be authentically you and watch God work? Jesus... Jesus actually had a go at some people in New Testament times because they actually weren't living well 
with unbelieving neighbours. And, you know, I think it can be the same today in our culture. If you were to poll, say, you know, people in our community and go, what's, what's one reason why you wouldn't step into a church? Somewhere in the top answers would be they're all a bunch of hypocrites. Don't you reckon? <laughs> and Jesus had an issue with that. That's not living well with unsaved people. Check this out. This is Jesus' words. Um, Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let let me help get get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Imagine being in that conversation with Jesus. Can, Can you kind of hear him kind of, setting them up this is you know this kind of nice little story you know this speck and log thing and then hypocrite exclamation mark first get rid of the log in your own eye then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye now this is in the context of Matthew 7 and at the start of Matthew 7 Jesus says Do not judge others or you will be judged. So the context of this passage where it lands in the middle with that one strong word with an exclamation mark, hypocrite, is actually in the context of not judging people. And so I think we get this a little bit wrong in the way we kind of discern hypocrite. What comes to mind when you think of the word hypocrite? I mean, you don't have to answer out loud necessarily, but if, if, if I could read what you'd probably say, it'd be something when your behaviour doesn't match up with your beliefs. Yeah? And that's true. But I don't think that's the real essence of what it means to be a hypocrite. Because I don't know about you, but there's, there's lots in my behaviour that doesn't line up with my truth. We're kind of stuck with that for, for a while. But a hypocrite... So that's, that's just almost, that's, that's an integrity issue where, where behaviour doesn't line up with belief. A hypocrite is actually when you've got a belief that is placed in there and your behaviour is different to that and then you are on the front foot at judging people for the same behaviour. That is what Jesus is passionate about. His grace covers your behaviour and he will call us to live a different kind of life and to grow and to actually be able to be self-controlled and we're on that road of transformation for the rest of our lives. But you know what? Can I just say that if there's a whole other realm to this hypocrite piece and that's when if we as people are judging people because of their behaviour, when we haven't got it sorted ourselves, that's being a hypocrite. That's not living well with our unsaved friends. My hope is that as a church and as people of Coast Community, we don't have an ounce of judgmental spirit in us at all. That, that we can own our own behaviour we can actually, with God and his spirit, see a transformation in us so we're growing all the time more and more to be like Jesus. And we can actually, man, I've, I've got the rest of my life to get the log out of my eye. That's, that's keeping me busy. Yep. That, that's a lifelong journey there. I, 
I, I can't kind of judge people for stuff in their life when I haven't got stuff altogether in my own. And so to live well with our unsaved friends is to actually just love people, accept them, value them, affirm the truth that you do see in them, have just authentic conversation about Jesus when it comes up, to actually stand out and show a different kind of life. I don't know if I mentioned this because I've mentioned it recently. There's someone in our church the other day um, who's actually got major issues going on in life. Lots of gender um, things going on for them. And I've been talking with them for probably nine months about that. And they're, they're talking about this in their life. And they actually had a conversation with me recently to say what more stuff was going on. Know what they said to me? I just hope you don't kick me out of your church. See, you're welcome. Welcome. God wants us to, I mean, we just point people to Jesus. Let's, let's embrace our own behaviour. Let's, let's partner with God to actually bring the transformation in our own lives. Let's start working on taking the logs out. And then let's just point people to Jesus and he can do that with other people. Yeah? I'm not saying we've got an issue in our church like that because I don't think we do. I think we have a real culture of grace and growth and gratitude like our values and genuineness. Just be the real you. And let's create a space in our own lives, wherever God places us, where we live well with our unsaved friends. You see, when there's... When there's a sense of being a hypocrite, it's going to turn people off and a wall will go up and people won't come anywhere near us. I mean, to give you an example of what happens in that space, it was just it was funny the other night. I was, I was out late and, um, you know, it was raining, pouring rain and, you know, I had, had to come over to Bensville and I'm going to Tumby and then trying to fit Matt's soccer training in, in there and I'm driving around everywhere, coming here to Bensville, getting stuff for the ball and, then, and I'm looking at my fuel gauge and it's on empty. And I'm going, oh, I think I can make it. I think I can do it. And so I'll get some petrol later and then, and then pick Matt up. And I thought, I'll get some petrol on the way home. And then I'm just talking to Matt and go, oh, I missed the petrol station. So didn't have time because so I was late for Tumby, got to Tumby. I thought, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be able to get to the service station later. And about 11.30 night and driving home. <laughs> Broke down the side of the road. Just thankful that Ash and Joseph were driving past. And I was waving to them. They thought I was just waving goodbye. You know, I'm going, come back. Come back. And they kind of pulled up, reversed up, go to the service station, you know, buy jerry cans, only one service station open. And then um, it's funny, I, I just left without paying. And he's knocking on the door, I come back and pay. So paid, felt I was going to be that person on the, on, you know, the printout on the wall. Have you seen this person? Um, look out for him. And um, anyway, got home much later than what I thought, wet, but cool, got home. What was funny in the, in, the, in the morning, was it in the morning or the evening? I was, in the morning, I was just chatting with Kel because Kel was asleep by the time I got home. And, um, and she goes, oh, I just ran out of petrol last night. Because what were you selling? Oh, I just ran out of petrol. Could you believe it? And um, you know what she said? Was, she goes, what'd you do that for? You're always driving around like that with no petrol in the tank. Well, do you think your car actually runs on your enthusiasm? You think you're going to drive all over the coast just on your enthusiasm? It was hilarious. Of course. What's interesting though, in me, I'm just shutting down. 
Like, where's the, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Oh, that's a real, I'm really, how did you go? Were you okay, sweetheart? Were you able to get some petrol? Come, let me pray for you. There's none of that. <laughs> Hypocrite. No, I'm only <laughs> Kel never drives on empty. It's just funny. But, and she's right. I do drive on, on enthusiasm and optimism. Optimism, that's what it was. You think your optimism's going to get you? Yeah, I do. Um, just not all the time. <laughs> uh, but it's funny what was going on in me, even just that little funny. I was just shutting down in a funny way. That's not a big issue. It's just funny, and, and Kel was right, as usual. But you know what? Can we just own our own behaviour? Can we own it, live it, and let other people worry about that? Let's create environments that people can step into and actually um, be inspired by us in the way that we live. And let's have a very clear, there's nothing even non-verbally from me about judging you. You know that can even happen with a look? The way you look at somebody? Because God wants you and I to live well with our unsaved friends. How are you doing that? How are you doing that? Because it, it has to be a, with gentleness and a respect. Like how do we respect people and live in that kind of space? Rick Warren, a pastor in the States, you know, he did 40 Days of Purpose, all that. Done. He had a great illustration because this is what I think happens a lot in Christian culture. We, we, we come to Jesus, we get saved, we realise there's this beautiful community of a church we can be part of and belong. That's all really good. But if we stay in that space, we find that all of our friends, all of our acquaintances are primarily Christian people. And that's cool, it's good for us and we can encourage each other. But if we're not careful, we kind of separate ourselves from all these other people. Oh, I, don't wanna, I don't want them to, you know what I mean? Let's be culture changers and step in and, and put ourselves deliberately in spaces where we can engage with people and live well with our unsaved friends. Rick Warren says, you know, let's be like a fish. Let's like be right in there. Let's be insulated from the water, if you like, not isolated. And so you can be insulated because you've got the Spirit with you. Just trust Him, live with Him, and live well with your unsaved neighbours. Your unsaved neighbours need a vision of what life can look like, a vision of joy, a vision of gratitude, a vision of peace, a vision of hope, a vision of love. A life where people can see there's this unrestricted, intimate relationship with Jesus. A life where people know that actually I can be accepted. Yes. How do, how do you, what are you doing right now? What am I doing right now that intentionally puts me in a space where I'm living well with unsaved people? They desperately need your presence. They desperately need your life. They desperately need the light that comes from Jesus shining in their dark world. They desperately need to feel loved and accepted. And God wants you and me to partner with him in that. We're his hands and his feet. How are you, how are you living well with your unsaved neighbours? You know, 
My, I think you live in a house. Yeah. Most of us here probably do. Not everyone on the Central Coast gets to live in a house. You're blessed if you are. You've got a great resource there to live well with your unsaved neighbours. Come on in. Hey, what are you doing on Friday night? Do you want to come over for a drink or do you want to come over for a barbecue? You have a great resource in your home just to invite people in. Now, neighbours is more than the people you you live with in your neighbourhood. You get that. So can I encourage you today to have this perspective as the band comes up, that you're a temporary resident here, that there's, there's a purpose in every day and as we live with gratitude, that you've given me another day, Jesus, doesn't matter how old we are. You've given me another day. And I want to stand out for you, Jesus. Can we actually deliberately choose and understand that the enemy will set up pleasure in this world that looks good, it looks inviting, but when we understand it's a trick, man, it's a trick, that's going to wage war against my soul and so I choose to say no. And then when we understand who we are in Jesus and we... have a passion to live well with people all around us that don't understand the love of Jesus yet and in you they can see it and see it in your eyes and you see it in your heart and you see it in what you can do for people and I encourage you and me today be people that choose to stand out and the stand out bit is Jesus and we give people a picture of a different kind of life and if we do that we're going to see many people step into the kingdom of God God's going to use you and me in that you pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you've set up a destiny for us that's home in heaven. And thank you that's our home, but God, I thank you that you've called us for this day. And we want to say yes to that. Lord, we also know that your kingdom, God's here right now. And I pray, God, you'd help us to live with that kind of culture in this world and stand out. Lord, give us the ability and the strength by your spirit to say no to worldly pleasures. I pray you'd bring revelation and we would know in in the moments what's good for us and what's not. And even if something's legally appropriate, it's not spiritually appropriate. And help us to discern that. And have a strength in us in our spirit to say no. Understanding is going to wage war against our souls. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live well with our unsaved neighbors. And Lord, I pray for anyone here today who really hasn't said yes to you yet, Jesus. I pray that this day 
would be the day of belief in you, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, you are God, you gave your life for them personally. So God, we commit that to you. Lord, you know our lives, you know everything that's going on. And I pray, Lord, that you'd meet each and every one of us in our lives right now, encourage us, help us to live well so that we can shine your light all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I hear an amen today?